My name is Lauren May, and I am on the teaching here at the Vineyard, and I am um, a member of this community, and I love this community. Uh, Jeremy is out this week. Um, he's coming back, though. He's on his way back today. He went to San Antonio for a pastor's retreat, um, so he's, he's on his way back to that. So, yeah, so pray for him as he travels back, um, and I guess misses the Super Bowl. I don't know. It's probably sad for him, but it's okay. Um, so, uh, like, usually when you tell a sermon— you know, they say, like, okay, like, start with a funny story, warm up the crowd, stuff like that. Um, and Derek and I were talking about, like, whether we're, we're funny people. Um, and he's, like, fully convinced that he's super funny. Um, but he told me that I'm not very funny, which, I don't know. I, that's pretty sad for me. He said I'm a very serious person. Um, and so I'm going to skip the story, and I'm going to lean in, because I'm just going to get serious. Uh, we're talking about greed today, so good times. Um, <laughs> exciting stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm just, uh, we're going to go for it. But it's funny, because like, when you read passages about greed in the Bible— I feel like it really forces you to take like an unexpected look at yourself in the same way that Derek was told me I was a super serious person and I had to be like, am I like, am I a serious person? I guess maybe like I take things seriously, like things are important. I think they're serious. Uh, but yeah, so when we read about greed in the Bible, I feel like it's just, it's really real right? Because we deal with our finances. Um, we deal with generosity. We deal with, with giving on a day-to-day -day basis. And the things God says about it, I think, are, like, jarring sometimes, right? So there's a passage in Matthew, and Jesus says you can't serve God and money. He calls it mammon, which is just a word for money. But he says you can't serve God and money. You will either love one and hate the other or hate one and love the other. That's like, man, dang, that's a lot. And then uh, earlier in this series, uh, Jeremy was talking about, and if you can throw up the next slide— I do not have the technology figured out yet, sadly. Um, in Mark chapter 10, Jeremy read this story to us at the beginning of the series. He said, as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But we know his response, right? Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And the first time Jeremy taught this, he said, I'm not telling you to sell all your possessions, right? Because what he was thinking was, three weeks later, he's going to have me teach, and I'm going to tell everybody to sell all their possessions. <laughs> but so... But, like, people do that, right? Like, I'm not saying that's the practical tip today. That's not what you're going to see on the slides when you get home or what you guys are going to do in VC this, right? Right? But, like, this, people literally did this. And so what I want to talk about today is, one, why this is so hard, and two, what motivates that? Like, where does that come from that people are so overwhelmed that they're like, I'm giving everything away and I'm following Jesus, and what I think is happening here and what motivates this is an invitation for perfect kingdom love for everyone we encounter. 
Because what the young ruler is doing is he's saying, what do I have to do to be perfect? Right? He says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Okay? And so Jesus gives the Sunday school definition. He says, uh, you got to follow the commandments, right? Don't murder people, like listen to your parents, don't steal stuff. And he's like, yeah, okay, I got it. I, I can do that. But then he shows them him the way to let go of that other master in his life, greed, by showing deep love. He says, sell everything that you have and give to the poor. I don't think this passage, I don't think the practical tip here is just give more, right? I don't think it's saying we just need to learn to be more generous. I think the solution for the young ruler is actually to be radically overwhelmed and transformed by kingdom love for God's people. I truly believe that the solution to greed is not more generosity. I think it's love for people. Because when we love people gen or deeply, generosity is just a symptom of that love. Like when we love as Christ loves, we're automatically generous. It's a righteousness that we don't have to think about. And there are three ways that you guys already do this. You're already symptomatically generous um, because we're generous with people that we love, right? So the first one is family. So you can go to the next slide. Um, and this is in Matthew 7. So it says, if for if which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Unless, I don't know, like maybe you're a prankster parent or something and you're trying to start a YouTube channel, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but then he says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven good give, good, give good things to those who ask him? And he says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So this passage, it's talking about God's love for us, right? Like God loves giving us good gifts, not because he feels like it's his responsibility, but because we're his children and he loves us and he enjoys us. Like I'm not a parent, but I would imagine if I had children, I wouldn't be like, God, I got to give some more cereal to my kids today, right? It's, it's not something we have to think about. Or I think about Christmas, right? As we come up to Christmas, we're not always excited about giving everyone gifts, but there's certain people in our lives that we budget for, we plan for, we save for, and we're excited to give those gifts to them, right? So we don't mind day-to-day -day taking care of people that we love. And so I think that love, that automatic generosity, that unthought-through generosity is the closest that we get to perfect kingdom love. It's unhesitating. But we know that God calls us to more. He calls us to extend that love to everybody. Um, I remember I was serving with uh, someone, uh, a guy at uh, another church, so this is not about a story about anyone here, okay, so no one starts sweating. Um, but we uh, started talking about public schools, which if you've known me for like more than a day, you know that's something I tend to talk about. Um, but he talked about his, his granddaughters were playing around him, and he was like, man, can you imagine like these, these precious children at some of the public schools in the area? And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's a thought, but if it's not good enough for his grandchildren, it's not good enough for anybody's grandchildren, right? Like, 
there shouldn't be this separation of it's good for you, but not for, for this person. Or it's not okay for me, but I'm okay with it for you. Right? Like we're called to extend love and give value to everybody, not just to those closest to us. I think uh, Pete last week, if you guys were here, talked about the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Okay, so classic story. So if you're not familiar, so uh, this guy gets beat up, he's by the side of the road, he's robbed, and basically a a pastor walks by him and doesn't do anything, and um, a scholar walks by him and doesn't do anything, but then is his, someone who's supposed to be his enemy, so someone who's super different from him, has a a different cultural and political identity from him, sees him and takes care of him, right? He binds up his wounds, he takes, uses his own money to get him care, And we love that story. That story is beautiful, right? But it's not necessarily beautiful or radical because of the response. The story is beautiful because who that response is extended to. So the fact that he would extend that response to someone who's supposed to be his enemy. Um, So like some of you in this room, like you guys are my my family. So if I saw Kim Abedy like by the side of the road, robbed and beat up, like I wouldn't hesitate to pull over, take care of her, make sure she was okay, right? Like we wouldn't, we wouldn't hesitate if we knew that person and we cared about that person. But that's the response that Jesus calls us to have to, to everybody. So wisdom says we're called to take care of our own. But the kingdom says that everyone is our own. In that same passage, I love, you know, the end of the passage should be familiar to you. It says, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So these are two types. Y'all, someone is calling. <laughs> we got to stop and help. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so that's the first type of natural generosity is that we like to, that we serve those who are closest to us. But then the second type of natural generosity I just read about, right? That's the natural generosity we have towards ourselves. It's that golden rule. We're called to love others the way we love ourselves. So in the same way that we're called to, you know, spend our money to take care of ourselves, we're called to radical love and radical generosity toward those around us. The same love that we naturally have for ourselves, God says, I can radically transform you to have that same love for everybody else. Because when we know the value of others, and we know that that value is significant as our own value, we're then called to love them in kind. You know, again, we naturally want what's best for those we love, for ourselves. That's what makes us human, right? Our Bonds of society are what make us, uh, allow us to survive in the world. And I do want to say that I know that some of you may struggle with those two types of love, right? Like self-love and self-care can be a challenging thing. Um, And sometimes loving those close to us can be a challenging thing too. But I also suspect that all of us have at least someone in our lives that we would naturally love sacrificially. But the problem is, is that when our focus becomes our own clan or our own circle, it doesn't conquer the greed in us um, because God calls us to even deeper love. What happens is we say, okay, I'm going to take care of these folks, but these people are the other. So I don't have to love them in the same way that I love my own community. 
And when that happens, generosity becomes a duty, an obligation, a chore, rather than a natural response. But we know that God's work was to break down boundaries. We know that his work was to love the other. His love and mercy is like dynamite, right? Like it breaks down the things we put up between people. And it's not just a New Testament thing either. Uh, So in uh, Deuteronomy, great book, really hard to spell, lots of regulations. Um, There are all these celebrations that people had, and you can can go ahead and slip to that slide, um, that made them distinctly Jewish. So these would be the things that they would do that would mark their culture. But I want you guys to listen to who he says, who God commands to include in these celebrations. It says, this is a time to celebrate before the Lord your God. At the designated place of worship, he will choose for his name to be honored. Celebrate with your sons and daughters. Great. Love my family. Want to celebrate with them. Your male and female servants. Okay, that's interesting, right? The Levites from your town. Okay, cool. It's like your pastor. And the foreigners, orphans, and widows who live among you. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, so be careful to obey all these decrees. Okay, so all of a sudden God is saying, this is not just a Jewish festival. This is a festival for everyone in your community to be a part of. Okay, but maybe it's just this festival. Maybe this is the only one that it matters. So let's look at another festival. You can go to the next one. It says, this festival will be a happy time of celebrating with your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levites. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Foreigners, orphans, and widows from your town. So every celebration that would mark the Jews as a people, God said to include the others who are within your gates. So think about who these people are, right? We've got male and female servants. So I don't know about you. I don't have any servants. I don't know anybody who has any servants. But there are a lot of people in my life who serve me day to day. Right? When I go to the store, there are people who are serving me. Um, when I drive around, there are pe- I mean, all the time there are people who are serving us. So these are people that we encounter day to day that might be from a different situation, um, a different social standing. Um, but God says, make sure those people are included too. And then the foreigners, the orphans, the widows. So people who have immigrated from one place to another who are now a part of this community. The orphans and the widows, you know, these are the folks who are vulnerable. A widow wouldn't necessarily have the same legal standing that a married woman would have. So we're called to make sure that people who aren't necessarily equipped during that time to take care of themselves are part of what's going on. So the Old Testament is all about loving the other within Israel, so the people that God brings to you. But then the New Testament expands that and says, no one is the other. Everyone is your neighbor. So we're called to love the other like they're our family. We're called to love the other as we love ourselves. But then there's one other perspective that the Bible gives us about how we should love others. And this shows up in Hebrews 13, 1 through 3. So it says, let brotherly love continue, right? So that's what we've talked about, like love each other like family. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Okay, we heard about that in the Old Testament, right? But then it says, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Like, okay, 
Cool. And then it says, remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. And so that idea of love others as we love ourselves, love the vulnerable, love those who, who can't be out with you all the time. Remember, not just those who are in front of your face in need, but those who are separated from us and in prison and mistreated. But I want to make sure we don't like miss out on that entertaining angels unaware one, right? Like that's, that's pretty crazy, right? Like that's surprising. But what Hebrews is saying is that God's people are all around us. So when we see a stranger, when we see someone in need, it might literally be an angel. Like that's a big deal. But okay, if that's a little much for you and you're a little more figurative, I understand. Because there's also Matthew 25. Okay, so here's what he says in Matthew 25. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Like, dang, that's a big deal. I, I think about that passage and, you know, I, you had to hear me read it twice, right? It lists them twice. But if you read this passage in context, the, that list is actually given four times. Because he also says that when you didn't give me food, when you didn't... Uh, give me drink when you didn't clothe me. So he repeats that same list. And I think that list is repeated several times to emphasize who we're called to serve if we want to serve Jesus. I think what he's saying here is that every time, every time you serve a need, you are literally serving Jesus. No questions asked. Every time you give food to the hungry, Every time you visit the prisoner, every time you see a need and meet it, Jesus is pleased. Jesus is served. Your love for him is poured out onto other people. Um, I think about the way the rich young ruler appeared to Jesus. So you can see in Mark 17, we're going to jump back to that verse from the beginning. It says, as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up to him, knelt before him, and asked him a question. This young man sees Jesus, and he runs to him. He falls at his feet, and he asks him to tell him what he should do. What if we were that desperate? to run to people in need. Like what if that was our response when we saw people need something? That we would run up to them and ask them, what can I do? How can I help? How can I serve you? That's what radical love looks like. That when we're so overwhelmed by our love for Jesus, that that love then pours out to those we meet. Think about sometime in worship when I just like feel so overwhelmed by God's love for me. Uh, or I just feel a deep sense of peace because I know God is with me and loves me. And I think God in those moments is saying, lavish that love back out. And lavish it on the hungry, the thirsty, the poor, the stranger, the prisoner, the vulnerable. Because the thing is, is that when we do that, God sees it and we serve him. When you love him, 
you naturally respond by loving the poor. Because when you love the poor, you're showing your love for him. So that's why when I think about greed, I don't think that generosity or finding another way to give is necessarily the way greed in our life is broken. I think greed in our life is broken um, when we love more. Because then our generosity just comes as a response. So it's when God says you can't have two masters, he says you can choose greed and apathy, or you can choose me and love. And so he calls us to look at him and see how we might serve others. And then look at others and think about how can I serve him. And you know, I was reflecting on this this, this week, and I think sometimes our love, and I know my love can get stagnant. Sometimes I just get a phone call from people and I'm like, man, like why didn't they just text me, right? I, I, you get overwhelmed and tired. Um, and in those moments, I think God still loves us and God still sees that. But I think what he calls us to is he says, look at me, okay? encounter my love for you, be filled with my love for you, and then turn that love out onto other people. I really believe that uh, if we want to overcome greed in our life, if we want to overcome yeah, that fear um, that we won't have what we need, I, I believe that love is our only solution to that. I think God calls us to break down the walls that we want to naturally build. Um, things that we do to say, you're other, you're not like me. And say and said, I love you like family. Um, I want to treat you as well as I treat myself. And I value you as if I see Jesus in you. Our love will be the guide to our generosity and break our greed. So if you're feeling like um, you're not being generous, I, if you're caught up in greed, um, I think rather than trying to Google how you can give more, I think ask yourself how I can start to love more. We're going to go to some practical tips. Um, I know that's quick, but I know you guys need to get Super Bowl groceries. So, um, so here's the practical tips. So as you interact with others this week, I want you um, to think, like in your head, what if that was Jesus? So as you see people in need or if you hear about people in need on the news, I, I mean, this is a week where there's been a lot of, like, there's a lot of strife in the world. Um, there's a lot of pain in the world. There's illness in the world. And as you're watching that, rather than thinking about how can I keep that separate, how can I make sure I'm not affected by that, how can I protect myself, think to yourself, what if Jesus was one of those people? And think about how you would respond if Jesus were in need. And then listen to the Holy Spirit from there about what he's calling you to do. And then the second piece is, I think maybe as I was talking today, one of those groups of people, um, you said, God, I do think they're the other. Maybe uh, it's someone who's vulnerable. Uh, I think about the orphans or the mentally ill or the prisoner or the immigrant. And maybe it's been hard for you to feel compassion for them. And so what I'm going to encourage you to do is seek out stories about people who identify with that group. And as you're reading those stories, as you're finding out more about that group of people, ask God to open your heart and bring someone like that into your life. 
And as your heart begins to open, and as you begin to see the world from their perspective and learn to love them more, allow generosity to flow from that. Think about organizations that work with those people and how you can begin to give. Uh, Because again, love naturally breeds generosity. So if we want to love more, be ready for God to call us into action, call us into response, and call us into deeper love with people. Um, If you guys will stand with me, um, we're going to pray, and then we're going to go into a a time of communion. Um, So let's bow our heads for a second and just ask God to bring someone or a group of people that identify a certain way into your mind. Just take a second to do that. And as that God puts that group on your heart, or maybe it's an individual person, ask God to open your heart to them, to overwhelm you with love for them. God, we pray that you would make us a more loving people. God, when our love becomes stagnant, um, when we're tired, when we're weary, God, I pray that we would see your face and that your love for us would pour in and fill us, God, so much that we would want to pour that out onto others. God, we thank you that you loved us enough Um, to love us when we were the other, when we were separated from you. And so, God, I pray that you would give us a heart for the lost. Uh, Give us a heart for the vulnerable, Lord. Make us more generous, God, because we are a more loving people. In your name we pray. Amen. Y'all, we have three communion stations here. There's one in the back and two at the sides. Uh, They're all gluten-free, so never fear whichever one you go to. Um, There were some things that I was thinking about uh, as I was thinking about what communion could look like this week. And I would just pray that as you guys go to communion, um, you'd ask God to encounter you there. And that as you come to the table, you would see your worth and the worth, um, yeah, the worth that God has poured out on you and his great love and worth as well. And as you leave the table, that you would see that worth in the faces of those you meet. You guys are all welcome to come up, um, and I'll come back up and dismiss us in a little bit.